Good evening. Today's reading is taken from the book of Ezekiel, chapter 1, verse 1, to chapter 2, verse 2. So Ezekiel, chapter 1, starting at verse 1. In my thirtieth year, in the fourth month on the fifth day, when I was among the exiles by the river Kebar, the heavens were opened and I saw visions of God. On the fifth of the month, it was the fifth year of the exile of King Jehoiakim, the word of the Lord came to Ezekiel the priest, the son of Buzi, by the river Kebar in the land of the Babylonians. There the hand of the Lord was on him. I looked and I saw a violent storm coming out of the north, an immense cloud with flashing lightning and surrounded by brilliant light. The centre of the fire looked like glowing metal, and in the fire was what looked like four living creatures. In appearance, their form was human, but each of them had four faces and four wings. Their legs were straight, their feet were like those of a calf and gleamed like burnished bronze. Under their wings, on their four sides, they had human hands. All four of them had faces and wings, and the wings of one touched the wings of another. Each one went straight ahead. They did not turn as they moved. Their faces looked like this. Each of the four had the face of a human being. And on the right side, each had the face of a lion. And on the left, the face of an ox. Each also had the face of an eagle. Such were their faces. They each had two wings spreading out upwards, each wing touching that of the creature on either side. And each had two wings, other wings covering its body. Each one went straight ahead. Wherever the spirit would go, they would go, without turning as they went. The appearance of the living creatures was like burning coals of fire, or like torches. Fire moved back and forth among the creatures. It was bright and lightning flashed out of it. The creatures sped back and forth like flashes of lightning. As I looked at the living creatures, I saw a wheel on the ground beside each creature with its four faces. This was the appearance and structure of the wheels. They sparkled like topaz and all four looked alike. Each appeared to be made like a wheel intersecting a wheel. As they moved, they would go in any one of the four directions the creatures faced. The wheels did not change direction as the creatures went. Their rims were high and awesome and all four rims were full of eyes all around. When the living creatures moved, the wheels beside them moved. And when the living creatures rose from the ground, the wheels also rose. Whenever the spirit would go, they would go, and the wheels would rise along with them, because the spirit of the living creatures was in the wheels. When the creatures moved, they also moved. When the creatures stood still, they also stood still. And when the creatures rose from the ground, the wheels rose along with them, because the spirit of the living creatures was in the wheels. Spread out above the heads of the living creatures, was what looked something like a vault, sparkling like crystal and awesome. Under the vault, their wings were stretched out one towards the other, and each had two wings covering its body. When the creatures moved, I heard the sound of their wings, like the roar of rushing waters, like the voice of the Almighty, like the tumult of an army. When they stood still, they lowered their wings. Then... There came a voice from above the vault over their heads as they stood with lowered wings. Above the vault over their heads was what looked like a throne of lapis lazuli, and high above on the throne was a figure like that of a man. I saw from what appeared to be his waist up, he looked like glowing metal, as if full of fire, and that from there down he looked like fire, and brilliant light surrounded him. 
Like the appearance of a rainbow in the clouds on a rainy day, so was the radiance around him. This was the appearance of the likeness of the glory of God. When I saw it, I fell face down and I heard the voice of one speaking. He said to me, Son of man, stand up on your feet and I will speak to you. As he spoke, the spirit came into me and raised me to my feet and I heard him speaking to me. What's it like to come into God's presence? We think nothing of this. We have our daily quiet time. We come to church. We move comfortably into encounter with God as if it's the most natural thing in the world. And to some extent, that's a good thing. We've been forgiven. We're right with God. We know him as our father. We're entirely comfortable in his presence. However, here in Ezekiel chapter 1, we're exposed to the weight of God's glory, the sheer holiness and otherness of God. For Ezekiel, this is an overwhelming experience. Occasionally, in my Christian life, I have sensed the holiness of God and been awestruck at his presence. Over 25 years ago, Becker and I were on the committee which ran the University CU. We'd gone away for a few days to plan the upcoming business of the CU, including a mission. We spent the day in committee. At the end of the day, one of us closed in prayer and quite unexpectedly, we were awestruck together at the holiness and glory of God. Nobody moved and we just spent the next hour or so in prayer, almost overwhelmed by the holiness of God. On another occasion, I was preaching in my former church. I closed the evening service, but again, nobody moved. Nobody wanted to go home. We were simply awestruck at the holiness and glory of God. You can't manufacture these experiences. It's a great mistake to try and work them up. They just happen from time to time as the word is opened. Ezekiel is overwhelmed by the presence of God. Chapter 1 verse 28b. This was the appearance of the likeness of the glory of God. When I saw it, I fell face down and I heard the voice of one speaking. But God does not leave Ezekiel on his face in the dust. Chapter 2 verse 1. He said to me, Son of man, stand up on your feet and I will speak to you. As he spoke, the Spirit came into me and raised me to my feet and I heard him speaking to me. That's the experience of the New Testament believer in Christ. We're awestruck at the holy presence of God. We're overwhelmed by his glory. We're brought to repentance for our sin. But then 
God stands us up on our feet. God fills us with his spirit. This experience was only granted to certain individuals in the Old Testament. In the New Testament, it's the experience of all believers. That's why we can go about our lives without being constantly on our faces before God. We're forgiven. We're filled with God's Spirit. We do know God in Jesus. But here in Ezekiel 1, we're shown the appearance of the likeness of the glory of God. We're not shown the actual glory of God. That would be too much for us to bear. Ezekiel is shown the likeness of the glory of God. As much as a human being could stand without being destroyed. A young man is called by God. God's glory is revealed. Ezekiel is raised to his feet. Firstly then, a young man is called by God. Verse 1. In my thirtieth year, in the fourth month, on the fifth day. Literally the text just says, in the thirtieth year. But the translators of the NIV have agreed with most scholars that Ezekiel is describing his own thirtieth year. This is significant because Ezekiel is a priest and under normal circumstances the thirtieth year was the year that a priest began his duties in the temple in Jerusalem. But Ezekiel is not in Jerusalem. He's in exile with the cream of Hebrew society in Babylon. Judah, the southern kingdom of Israel, has been defeated by the Babylonians and the social elite have been brought to live in Babylon. It's the fourth month on the fifth day, that's July the 31st, 593 BC. Ezekiel was among the exiles by the river Kebar when the heavens were opened and he saw visions of God. The river Kebar, or the Kebar Canal, locates the prophet near Nippur, halfway between modern Baghdad and Basra, so not in the city of Babylon itself. Verse 2, on the fifth of the month, it was the fifth year of the exile of King Jehoiakim. That's 593 BC. Verse 3, the word of the Lord came to Ezekiel the priest, the son of Buzi, by the river Kebar, in the land of the Babylonians. There the hand of the Lord was on him. The phrase, the hand of the Lord was on him, is a repeated phrase which introduces some of Ezekiel's visions. Secondly then, God's glory is revealed. Verses 4 to 28. I looked and I saw a violent storm coming out of the north, an immense cloud with flashing lightning and surrounded by brilliant light. The centre of the fire looked like glowing metal and in the fire was what looked like four living creatures. In appearance their form was human but each of them had four faces and four wings. 
So God is not to be trifled with. He is not depicted as a kindly old grandfather. He's a violent storm coming out of the north. The north was where the pagan gods were thought to come from. That God comes out of the north shows that he alone is the true God and not the gods of Babylon. God's glory is consistently revealed in, the, in a cloud in the Bible. This is typically glorious with flashing lightning and brilliant light. God is also consistently revealed in fire as at the end of verse 4. We may think of the burning bush or the tongues of fire that came at Pentecost. The four living creatures identified as cherubim, angelic figures in chapter 10 verse 20, are like humans but more glorious than humans. The fact that there are four of them and the fact that the number four is repeated speaks of God's control over the whole earth. There are four of them, but verse 6, each of them had four faces and four wings. Verse 7, their legs were straight, their feet were like those of a calf and gleamed with burnished bronze. Under their wings, on their four sides, they had human hands. All four of them had faces and wings, and the wings of one touched the wings of another. Each one went straight ahead. They did not turn as they moved. So they can do the impossible. They can go straight ahead in any direction, but without turning, as in verse 12. Back in verse 10, their faces looked like this. Each of the four had the face of a human being. And on the right side, each had the face of a lion. Perhaps the lion represents power. And on the left, the face of an ox. Perhaps the ox represents strength. Each also had the face of an eagle. Perhaps this represents flight. Verse 11, such were their faces. They each had two wings spreading out upwards, each wing touching that of the creature on either side, and each had two other wings covering its body. This is reminiscent of Isaiah's vision of the glory of God in Isaiah 6. The next feature of this vision I'd like to draw your attention to is the wheels in verse 15 and following. These wheels speak of mobility. Not only can these creatures move in any direction without turning, but they're thoroughly mobile. Verse 15, as I looked at the living creatures, I saw a wheel on the ground beside each creature with its four faces. These wheels sparkled like topaz. They each intersect a wheel. 
verse 17, like verse 12 and verse 9, as they moved, they could go in any one of the four directions the creatures faced. But the wheels, but without the wheels changing direction. And these wheels, in verse 18, were full of eyes all around. So these creatures are all seeing. In verse 22, spread out above the heads of the living creatures was what looked something like a vault. The ESV has the likeness of an expanse, sparkling like crystal and awesome. This vault or expanse appears in Genesis 1, 6-8 and 14-20. In Genesis 1, the vault fills the dome of the sky. This connection with Genesis 1 reminds us of God as creator. Here the vault is born on the wings of the living creatures and forms a boundary beyond which comes the culmination of the vision. For the first time in verse 24, sound dominates the vision. Even though the preceding description includes a thunderstorm in verse 4. Here in verse 24, the sound of many waters accompanies the approaching glory of God. When the creatures moved, I heard the sound of their wings, like the roar of rushing waters, like the voice of the Almighty, like the tumult of an army. Verse 25. Then there came a voice from above the vault over their heads as they stood with lowered wings. All of this is an introduction to the throne and the one who sits upon the throne. Verse 26. Above the vault over their heads was what looked like a throne of lapis lazuli and high above the throne was a figure like that of a man. I saw that from what appeared to be his waist up, he looked like glowing metal, as if full of fire, and brilliant light surrounded him. Like the appearance of a rainbow in the clouds on a rainy day, so was the radiance around him. So here is Christ the pre-incarnate Christ, on his throne in glory. He is utterly glorious to behold. And the radiance of the rainbow reminds us of the covenant God made with Noah. Essentially, this reminds us of God's grace. He will never again utterly destroy the earth until the day that Christ returns and all things are made new. Well, verse 28b, this was the appearance of the likeness of the glory of the Lord. When I saw it, I fell face down and I heard the voice of one speaking. Just like Isaiah when he saw Christ on his throne in Isaiah 6, 
just like John on Patmos. The majesty and holiness of God produce in Ezekiel not just a sense of awe and reverence, but absolute terror. Ezekiel falls face down in the dust. But thirdly, Ezekiel is raised to his feet. Chapter 2, verses 1 and 2. He said to me, Son of man, stand up on your feet, and I will speak to you. As he spoke, the Spirit came into me and raised me to my feet, and I heard him speaking to me. So there are parallels with our experience of God. In our experience, when we come to Christ, we go through an experience of shame. Like Ezekiel face down, we realise that we are sinners, that we are unworthy. In our cases, we repent of our sin. And then, so to speak, God stands us up on our feet and he speaks to us in his word. Just like Ezekiel, the Spirit comes into us and we're converted. And just like Ezekiel, we are commissioned to serve God. Ezekiel was a priest and a prophet. We believe in the priesthood of all believers. In 1 Peter 2.9 it says this, But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession. We are a priesthood as believers. And we are prophets as believers. 1 Peter 2.9 continues, You are a royal priesthood that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. So just as Ezekiel is commissioned to speak for God as a prophet, all God's New Testament people are commissioned to speak for God. We speak God's word to one another. We speak God's word to a world which is in rebellion against him. We are not Ezekiel, but our situation is analogous to Ezekiel's. And we have Ezekiel's God. Let's draw these threads together. Have you ever be, been confronted with the holiness and glory of God? Have you ever considered your sin in the light of this? Have you had an experience of being brought to your knees before God, repenting of sin? 
Have you been stood back up on your feet, forgiven, filled with God's Spirit? Are you functioning now as a priest and as a prophet? Are you representing God to a sinful world? Are you speaking of God and Christ to the world? Do you need to be reminded of the sheer glory and holiness and otherness of God? Perhaps you've become overly familiar with God. You think of Jesus as a friend, which he is, but maybe you've forgotten that he is terrifying in his holiness. It's a good thing that you can be intimate with God. But our friendship with God should be accompanied by a great respect for God, a great sense of awe and reverence. We should fear displeasing him, which makes our salvation all the more wonderful. You're all sure and very aware of C.S. Lewis's comment about Aslan the lion, who is a picture of Jesus. It's Mr. Beaver who says to the Pevensey children that Aslan is not safe. He's not safe. He's a lion. But he's good. That's very good theology. Too often in our church circles, we've made Jesus safe. We've reduced him to gentle Jesus, meek and mild. When in reality, to be exposed to his glory is utterly terrifying. We Christians are unspeakably privileged. We can enjoy God in Jesus safely. We can be clothed, as it were, with the righteousness of Jesus, so that the all-consuming holiness of God doesn't destroy us. It's a wonderful privilege that we can call God Father. Muslims would never dare to say this. We dare to call God Father. We dare to call Jesus our lover, our husband. And all the time he's terrifying in his glory. Matt Redman wrote a song called The Friendship and the Fear. And I think this song sums up our relationship with God. The Friendship and the Fear. Let me read you the words. You confide in those who fear you. Share the secrets of your heart. Friendship Give to those who seek to honour you 
with every part. Though I am one of unclean lips, Lord, I am crying, woe is me, trying now to rid myself of all the things that hinder me from knowing you, hearing you speak, seeing you move mysteriously, your whisperings in my soul's ear. I want the friendship and the fear of knowing you. There is one thing you have spoken. There are two things I have found. You, O Lord, are ever loving. You, O Lord, are always strong. I am longing to discover both the closeness and the awe. Feel the nearness of your whisper. Hear the glory of your roar, just knowing you, hearing you speak, seeing you move mysteriously, your whisperings in my soul's ear. I want the friendship and the fear of knowing you. Well, can you say that this evening? that you want to know the friendship and the fear of Almighty God revealed to us in Jesus Christ. Let's pray together. Almighty God, Father God, Lord Jesus Christ, thank you for revealing your glory to Ezekiel and to us in your word. Father, we are awestruck at your glory. We praise and worship you. You are a holy God and we are a sinful people. And we realise, Lord, that your holiness must destroy us in our sin and yet you've saved us in Jesus thank you for him thank you that he came and bore our sin in his body on the cross so that we might know you father yes fearing you but also knowing your friendship Lord, take us deeper into our relationship with you. Grant us to worship you for your great glory. And grant us to enjoy the intimacy of knowing you in Christ. Father, we bow in your presence and we commit our lives to you. And we pray that like Ezekiel, the priest and prophet, we might represent you to one another and to the world which desperately needs to hear your gospel. Lord, take us and use us, we pray, for the glory of your name and the extension of your kingdom. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. <laughs>